we're back. Hello. Yeah, we got lots to talk about today. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for, oh my gosh, we got such good feedback on our last podcast episode. Very happy. Did we? Yeah, no, I just had a lot of people like messaging me. Just talk about like, I think they found it helpful to hear from like an Asian parent, like how to navigate that conversation. I was very happy to hear that you know resources. Oh no, the best part was uh, we talked about Korea angry on our podcast, and then I tagged her because yeah. one of the resources that we provided, and she freaking reposted us and like left such a nice message. Ooh. And I've been I like talked with her a little bit on our DMs, and yeah, she was just so nice, and she's like, anytime you guys want me to support you, like to- totally down. So yeah, no, that was a really nice little plug happening. Well, that's amazing. Um, I'm happy that even though, you know, she is someone who has so many followers and, you know, has an influencer in her own right and such a great artist is, uh, you know, we got to come together as Asians. That's like something we actually really have to do. Like instead of competing with each other, we just got to do it. Yeah, no, it was so nice of her. And like, yeah, exactly. She's such like has such an amazing platform on her own. She definitely didn't need to take the time to like message me us back at all. So, yeah, much thank you to her. I actually don't even know her name. That's bad. I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, it's really awesome. And you no, know, this week, like we obviously were both super busy, but there's something I obviously wanted to talk to you about earlier, which is about the whole K-pop thing. Yes. I think we're going to talk about it today. And also the most recent news with BA, which is basically, I mean, if everyone's been following that mess, I feel like we talked about it a little bit in our last podcast, but recently one of their video producers who produces the I'm Alive series with Brad Leone. Like he's just behind the scenes. I think he's just editor. He's like, he's an editor. Mm-hmm. He was recently let go. And I mean, all these, uh, all the chefs, like some of the hosts, like Sola and Priya spoke up saying like, this guy was an ally. And he had apparently tweeted some stuff about the systemic racism at Condé Nast and BA. And I guess he was let go just yesterday. So it's been a whole saga. And I just like, it's super hard to follow, but this is like exactly what it's like in systemic racism where it's just so hard to see the layers, right? Like, and if you speak up about it, this is what happens. Yeah, is that editor white? Do you know? Yeah, he's a white dude. That's really interesting. I know you just like, when you sent me over that article, so just a little bit of context for anyone who like isn't as of a hardcore BA fans as us. Bon Appetit is like part of Condé Nast and they had this like amazing like food network like subsection of their company and they've been able to be really popular recently because they have a really good YouTube channel portion of the side of their business where you know they really like humanize the chef experience so you know like they make mistakes they have spills and like I don't know they've been able to really capitalize on like the video content era. Anyway, so they have really good fun videos. And then recently, uh, the CEO of the company or editor in chief, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Editor in chief um, had like a brown face photo that surfaced. And then that also like ignited this like deeper conversation about like inequality and, you know, the lack of POCs in their business and like all this other stuff. And Sola, who is like one of my personal favorites, only because not only because she has a really cute Shiba and she just cooks really yummy and fun. And she's just so experienced. And, you know, um, it came to light that like she's been in so many videos. And whereas their white counterpart employees has had contracts where they get paid for every video that they're in but Sola and Christina who is a POC didn't get paid for any of them and anyone that follows the show you know that anytime Claire who's a white host has her own show called like Gourmet Makes 
she asked Sola to come and temper her chocolate literally every single episode and all those times like she wasn't getting paid so anyways that like started the whole conversation and you know it started a movement within Bon Appetit um uncovering all the the ugliness that are within like big companies like that and I guess like uh, Adam Rappaport who's like editor-in-chief had an assistant who was only making like $35,000 a year and uh, was like doing cleaning his golf clubs and like was just doing such minimum work and she was like the only black woman that was working for the entire company or something like that so yeah sorry that was supposed to be my TLDR and it got just long no, no, that was great. You're really good at packaging everything and just giving context. And I never remember to do that because I just feel like everyone knows what I know. Path. Why doesn't everyone know? I don't know. But the, I think one thing to that's important is like, obviously, me and you watch it. I actually think it's really popular. Like, I mean, each video mostly generates t- like millions of views, like whatever. It was for many people like that really feel good content on YouTube. That was still like a safe haven of like, non-destructive kind of content so like behind the scenes like what we have to know now what we know now is like it's actually so much worse obviously like you know people like sola priya and you know christina like they were all doing it you know and i think as a person of color everyone knows like they do that much more to try harder you know to know that you're skilled and you can do all these things or whatever but then you know they weren't compensated for it which is just like I don't know. It, it just speaks to a lot of industries and stuff we work with. But the the main thing is like that it was supposed to be like a feel good channel. Like I used to watch it because I'm like, oh my God, this is so cute. Like everything else in the world sucks, but this is fun. And then now you know that this thing is also just like at its core, massively like systemically fucked up, obviously. Like it's not like we didn't know, but it, like they never showed us because they're making, recreating Oreos or I don't know, something like that. Right. Like you never think about it. So I'm happy it came out. I'm happy all this stuff came out. But like this new recent move just seems like a really like anyone who's speaking up about systemic racism, which we all know like is happening at BA is like getting let go or I don't even know. I know. I wonder if if there will be like a deeper investigation about it. But basically, like I guess the article that you sent me over was this, I think, white like video editor who spoke up. I think just like calling BA out on their shit, being like, oh, okay, like let's just hire a racist white editor in chief, but slap him in with an anti racism workshop and like call it a day. I think he, that's kind of like my takeaway from like the tweet that he had. And then because he spoke up so publicly, he was like under probation or inspection. But honestly, who knows? Like this could be like blown up about a deeper thing that we like didn't know about. I feel like even now there is a lot of like meat companies that are like problematic having people like having the strength to come out but this may be like with movements like this like we saw it with the me too movement too where like you know anyone was kind of jumping it on this wagon like wave to kind of have their own say but sometimes like it couldn't be maybe it wasn't the right context i don't know i'm definitely not like victim blaming at all but it is good to like kind of take it with a grain of salt until like all the facts are available to be able to like jump to a conclusion, I guess. For sure. And obviously we don't, we obviously don't know what this guy did. There might be other things too. Honestly, it's best, sorry, in my own vernacular to just believe that mostly there could be some shit going on. You know, it's like a, it's like a male thing. Like it's just something. Yeah. As women, we understand, like it's not very far out of the realm to be surprised by anybody but speaking about like, you know, if, if, it, if the reason, let's just say, was just because you spoke about racism, like that actually happened recently for us in Canada. Like, I don't know if you saw, but basically, so Justin Trudeau is our prime minister and we have an opposing leader in the NDP. His name is Jack Mead Singh. This is for American listeners. Or- oh, yeah. Tell him, sis. And basically, like, 
across the row, uh, a different party, you know, he basically called out this other MP, a member of parliament for being racist, like because of some of the stuff. And he's from Quebec where they actually had, you know, the bans on, you know, wearing hijabs and face covers and stuff like that. So basically he just said, you're racist in the parliament, which is like, it sounds super boring, but it was like the first, I feel like the first time anyone's, he got kicked out of parliament for saying that person's racist. Like it's like, it's such a, obviously in the parliament, it's like, everyone is hella white. So when you say racism, it, it's not like, oh yeah, I'll consider it. You know, they fight about female issues and sexism and all stuff all the time. And that if you kicked a woman out for saying you're sexist, I don't think that would happen, right? But yeah, the system just really flawed, obviously. So basically he was just kicked out for saying some guy's racist. And the next day he came back into parliament and then she's like, I'm just going to read this, what you did yesterday. Basically you call this guy racist. And you know, and a, a lot of those kind of par- um, political spheres people will be like i didn't say that or they spin it or whatever he's like no i i just i did call him racist i i, I wrote it down yeah, i stand by it and it's like yeah that's called out but this is what happens when you call someone racist you get kicked out of the place where you're supposed to be as a leader of a party right mm-hmm. oh my god what a beautiful correlation of those two stories you like really packaged it up wow um no <laughs> yeah. but that's so true um in your friend group or in your maybe not workplace it's too sensitive but like or past workplace is would you think it's hard to call something out like that? Like, oh, not current. Absolutely. I think there's such a huge like retaliation. And I'm not sure if I personally have felt maybe like being scared to speak up in that manner because like I'm Asian that like I'm not going to be heard or anything. I but I think there's such a huge fear of just like, is it is it right to call it like capitalism like just in our system like it's totally terrifying like I've had so many moments where like you know I have spoken up because I thought it was the right thing to do and then like the intent wasn't there or like didn't matter about what my intention was the way that someone else perceived it was wrong so then I got like slapped in the wrist for it like there's so many ways times where you know I felt like I was silenced I felt like you know I couldn't be me and like when I was expressing myself to the best of my abilities, it was kind of like shunned upon. And like, I'm not saying, you know, maybe I was also like quite young, like in my early 20s, I guess during my like career, like development that I may may have had these situations where, you know, I could have learned about my approach of like having these conversations. But yeah, definitely there's like a huge fear, especially with the cancel culture that we're like in the middle of too, which I think is like so problematic on its own. yeah, definitely a fear. Yeah, no, I think it's hard for anyone. Like even with your friends, it's hard. Imagine it in like a corporate setting. So like, this is what I mean by it's just like hard to do it. And you were mentioning how like Soul actually did that, right? Yeah. Okay. So I listened to a podcast episode by The Sporkful, and they did like a a rundown of like the BA. So I feel like us talking about it, it's like a watered down version of like the podcast episode I listened to. But anyways, basically, um, they actually interviewed Sola. And it turns out how the entire BA team found out about, you know, what was happening was that Adam Rappaport held like a group meeting, a t- an all hands like meeting when the photo surfaced. And then it was like a Zoom meeting with maybe like 40 people that was on staff. And then it was like two sentences that Adam said about, you know, how he's like apologetic about like what his actions were, like wants to make it better for the company and whatnot. And so that was like, you know, there was like 40 people, probably like half them, they had their cameras turned off. And then um, when 
Adam like finished his statement and was like, okay, if there's nothing else people want to add, we can like end the call. And then Sola, our girl, piped up and told Adam to his face, I think you should resign. I think that's the best next step. And then I guess there was like a bit of a silence and Adam was like, yeah, you know what? Like maybe that is the best, but you know, maybe I should stay and try to help the place get better. And then Sola speaks up and is like, look at all these people. Like you guys are posting on your Instagram being like solidarity with Black Lives Matter. But like all of you guys are hiding like all of you guys have the cameras turned off no one's speaking up to like stand up for us and then people started to um put their video back on and like chime in but the host of the show asked like hey how has it been with like your white white counterparts partners like in, in on your team and then she's like you she took like a really long pause which like got me so excited and I was like what is she gonna drop but basically she was saying you know there's like the molly of the world who took like such a long time to write like an in-depth like message to be like I stand in solidarity with you and like to be honest from like a total bystander looking into the situation when I read molly's statement on his instagram I also felt like she you know, like a light bulb went on his her head being like, holy fuck, like I've been fucking up and just being complacent. And then yeah. Sola is like, but then there's Brad Leone, who I think finally realized racism is real. And like, I 100% agree with that statement too, because like, even just like watching his videos, like, you know, he makes kimchi and like uses like the same terms that we kind of talked about in our last episode, where you're kind of like generalizing like the Asian culture and like not specifying like the Korean heritage or whatnot. And so I, I think there's such a, a wide range of people's, I guess, wokeness into situation. But yeah, I recommend listening to the episode because they will 100% do a better job explaining what thought processes versus what I regurgitated now. But yeah, no, it's super interesting. I like haven't been able to watch any VA since. And although they're not pumping out any new content and a lot of them said they won't be appearing in front of the camera until, you know, everyone's fairly compensated. But yeah. No, it's 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 so crazy. So I don't know. I, it's just the thing I came by. And then obviously you listen to like 10,000 podcasts. So we'll definitely put it in our reference list. I, I like never have time for podcasts or I think I don't have time. I like obviously read everything. So it's just like my format. I love okay. podcasts. You read and I'll listen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then you also sent me this other podcast, which unfortunately I'm sorry I couldn't get to listen to, but I did read something on this similar topic Yeah, about the whole K-pop Trump white lives matters trash weird clown stuff takedown so yeah tell me about okay well i feel like there's a like two different elements in terms of k-pop and why it's trending in a midst of everything that's going on right now like why is k-pop trending so what i gather is that when you know black lives matters was starting um there was obviously the all lives matter people that was, you know, using Twitter and like TikTok and different platforms to like rally together, like all lives matter protests or like that kind of content that was obviously cluttering, cluttering up our feed. And I guess there is like this like savior of K-pop group where they want to like throw down. Um, so I guess like the most prominent thing that kind of snowballed into where it is at now was there was like, a, what was it? Oh, there was like this app that the Dallas cop like police yeah um uh, i don't know department was using you can like snitch people out if they're doing something illegal and then k-pop fans like took down that app so they had to like take it offline because it was during the protest so like people could send in like anonymous tips about someone that was like protesting so they can get like arrested or something like that so that was like their first like 
savior move of the K-pop fans. And then I think it like snowballed into recently where Trump was like selling tickets to his like Tulsa rally or whatever. And uh, K-pop fans actually like created this like new hashtag where people can follow. And then all these fans like bought the tickets and no one showed up. Obviously, that's why they had like had like a, such a disappointing Burnout. count to the Tulsa rally thing. And then, yeah, and then I think that kind of caught the attention of what it, why are all these like K-pop fans like taking down Twitter and like hashtags and all that stuff. And then there was a, a podcast episode that I listened to by Reset um, and they talk about how like the problematic side of K-pop, which I think we have touched based on, like touched on it like a little bit as we always talk about K-pop during our conversations, but maybe like a quick tidbit about k-pop is that like they 100% like ride off of black culture to like make it seem cool most k-pop groups like korean pop groups um have like a character in each of their group settings and there's like the rapper the dancer the singer and like the cute one or like whatever and anyone that's like the rapper or the dancer 100% benefits off of black culture and like to a point i think korea isn't as progressive as you know having so much multicultural, like understanding what cultural misappropriation means. I also learned that there's a difference between cultural appropriation and misappropriation. So I think K-pop is the misappropriation type, which I learned from that podcast I listened to. But yeah, like there is like a variety shows where K-pop people come on and they get interviewed. And like, you know, one of the talent that one of like the K-pop artists had was like to speak black and like Every, they like made him do it and everyone like laughed and like you know like if anyone you watch like one or two like k-pop videos whatever that's like trending on youtube like they all have cornrows like they all look like you know gang signs like it's like a very typical black culture um resemblance you would see in north america but korea has totally adapted it to like be so misappropriated yeah I mean, I feel like since I was young, I used to like you know listen to all like I, it's not I don't I don't hate it by any means I understand like I used to listen to Big Bang and, you know, remember Taeyang and the yeah. group used to have like cornrows and used to wear like the bandana, like two rags. Yeah, do rags. And so I was like reading this thing, basically this writer and we can put all the references in. She was just basically saying, you know, I was a fan. She's a black music culture writer. She also writes about hip hop and stuff, obviously, but she really liked K-pop when she was young. So she first, you know, gravitated towards it because there were like themes that resembled, you know, the 90s hip hop she really loved. like you really take yeah. Missy Elliott and Tupac and like that kind of, you know, Usher R&B dancing in the mirror kind of situation. So like that happened all the time and that's why she liked it. But then, you know, as time went on, she kind of realized like, oh damn, this is super weird. You know, like they are taking on, um, you know, black culture. And there was like this instance, I forget with who, but we'll put in, I'll put the article in, but with like, blackface um and you know like not blackface but you know having a more tan complexion to look a certain way to look like quote-unquote hip-hop and she's basically saying like you know doing nothing is still not okay even if you're oblivious to it like you have to try maybe if you're in korea or whoever's enjoying it or whatever to understand that this does come from black culture or whatever um yeah so it's it's obviously like i i don't know like i wouldn't say Asian countries, I'm, I'm just going to speak on what I feel like I know. I'm like speaking to my cousins and people who live in those areas. It's not, they're not so understanding of that whole thing. Like, I think there's still a phenomenon with seeing like a black person perhaps in like China or like there are different fears and like, you just don't know. So it's like, you're doing it cause it's cool. Like maybe it looks cool, but then the whole time we're just like 
you know, K-pop is banking off black culture a lot. Yeah, no, totally. Even uh, so BTS, who's like the most famous K-pop group at the moment, came out with a new song. And I think in that song, there was like a sample of a speech that the guy gave. There was like, oh, what was that cult that the whole like drinking the Kool-Aid, that's where the reference comes from. I'm totally butchering this. But anyways, there was like this famous speech, this like cult leader spoke and it's like where they took everyone to this like town and they everyone like drank this thing and they killed themselves. They committed yeah. suicide. Um, I guess in the BTS song, they took a sample of that, but obviously uh, the talent management who like approved the sample to be part of it didn't understand the death behind it. And this was like right oh. in the bit beginning of everything so like uh the management team had to come out with an uh apology being like you know we didn't do a thorough research and just like what this meant and there was like huge backlash and like of course there was like divided um sentiment uh, depend on the fans and like the people who are critiquing how that was such a mishap but like i'm not surprised that they did this because i yeah i think you're right like from what i gather from like korean culture obviously i'm like pretty removed just being in north america but you know i don't think they have the the knowledgeable people that had the filter to even understand like what it means to be misappropriating like black culture and like yeah like checking like culture checking that like you know maybe let's not do cornrows um so blackpink came out with a new song today and they broke like the youtube record it came out like 11 hours ago and they had like 51 million views and to be honest kind of disappointing in the song it is really good and super catchy but the melody sounds exactly like their like last famous song so i don't know i just felt a little bit recycled but even watching that video they have there isn't anything like totally stand out that it's like oh my god that's like you're appropriating like black culture but like you know like even their the way they dress the girl that's like the rapper does a lot of like hand gestures that that embody like gangs and like you know embody you know what like rapper would look like and i just find that a little bit taste it's it's tone deaf that's what it is like it's a little bit cringy to watch of yeah course. Like, it's hard to get that education over there basically what this piece said is like yeah it's about time like if you're gonna enjoy this music and you're gonna be part of this cult and let's quickly talk dive into the k-pop cult because this didn't just start because of like white um you know black lives matter There is a subsection on Twitter. There's a world and TikTok, I think, and probably Instagram. These stands are like insane. Like they, like I had to, I was talking to one of them the other day just to learn a bit of it because like they were messaging me about something. The Twitter users that are in part of this group. Yeah, I just wanted to understand better. You went dark deep. There's like the army and then there's like subsets of like different areas where it's like a little town or district or whatever about like, these are like a tutoring K-pop, uh, no, sorry, tutoring BTS army fans. Like, like if you need help with school, like it's so insane. That's so like cute. The system is insane. Like basically, if you need things to be taken down, it's it really doesn't. It's it's surprising to a lot of people because people didn't know this facet lived forever. But like, th- I think this has been a thing for like more than like yeah. I want to ten years. I want to say it started ten years ago when Twitter was just like getting on its two feet and it's just a part of Twitter. This just, it is what it is. So for me is crazy. It's insane. And yeah, it even takes down like, you know, the all lives matter hashtags, the white lives matter hashtags. So like if you click it and it's trending, it's just all K-pop people being like, haha, you clowns. Like, or it's like their fan cams of like their BTS most like loved, you know, idols or whatever. So the, the power is insane. So basically she was just saying it's about time they pay you know, obviously side with Black Lives Matter. They're doing these crazy internet-y things that you can only organize this quickly because you're a K-pop person or whatever. 
but at the same time, please like, you know, educate yourself and be mindful of it. And yeah, before you just dive deep, hopefully like in the future of K-pop, there is more, uh, like less black misappropriation. Exactly. Cause they have so much power and I don't think, to be honest, I think that the, like the artists in these group K-pop groups don't have a lot to say, like, even though they're yeah. so powerful and they have so much reach, like they can't even dye their own hair until like someone approves it. So there is a very, very strong hierarchy of approval process that you need to go through to even have like a social media presence. And I'm sure that's even very heavily regulated. So I understand that sentiment, but I think it is tone deaf and it is very irresponsible to continue on to be complicit, complacent during the situations where you do have a voice and there's so much resources going out there. Like y'all get way better internet over there in Korea to be able to like read up on all these things. So I think that there does need to be a pressure for the K-pop culture to like spearhead, like look at what you're doing. Like you are making such progress. Although like the episode of the reset does talk about like it is, there is like a bit of element of danger of continuing to have the all lives matter trending because that also like can be misinterpreted to someone who like Mm -hmm. doesn't understand that. So there is that factor there, but yeah, I, I do hope that there, yeah, there's pressure continues to be on them to like be better. But I think with the latest BTS song, including that sample, having that backlash, hopefully, you know, they're giant like um, management companies that are like the top three of Korea. And if like one does it, like especially making it to North America is like their end all be all. Like it's the coolest like the biggest breakthrough to be like an international artist. And I think if you want to have a good understanding to like how you're going to succeed here, you need to like know these circumstances and like be just to be better. Yeah. And and like one last thing, I feel like the K-pop fans, like when I've been speaking to them, or they're not all Korean. Like I think people need to understand. So many white people too. They're all over the world. Like they're in America, they're in the Philippines, they're in China, they're, they're everywhere. So it's not right to say that all these people are Korean who are doing this. It's, I exactly. don't think that's, I would say probably majority are not because they probably have, you know, different types of, they don't go on Twitter and do that. Like maybe that's not them. I'm sure there are people like that, but that's one thing I've seen like a very, you know, if you're coming at like a Karen who doesn't know the internet like that, she just assumes, you know, if your profile picture is like Jenny from Blackpink, like that's you as a person. And everyone looks the same and everyone's being like, yeah, all lives matter. Ha ha, you stupid clown. So like, I think there is a, there is a thing like just to clarify that because you know, that's not true. Yeah, no, that's such a good point to note. Yeah. Like not, and there is all obviously it's all like problematic manners of like, you know, it's not just all Asian fans. Like there are so many like very diverse fan base on K-pop and yeah, the, the podcast definitely touches upon that. And the girl that they interview, she is, I think a black American that lives in Japan and it's studying the power of like Korean K-pop music or something. Like she's like doing a really smart like investigation in Japan. And yeah, like something cool that she was able to find like after doing her research, I could be maybe getting it wrong because I listened to a while ago, but basically there was like this song that had a sample from like a rap Uh, like this like rap writer or like producer wrote like a line or like a beat and then we had a really famous boy band called super junior which was like before the 
Big Bang times. And then the the producer actually wrote like the beat for them, but people were coming at them being like, oh, like you're sampling like, you know, rap music and not crediting it properly. But the producer came out to say like, no, I actually like originally wrote it for the Super Juniors. So I think there just like needs to be education, but it's like so easy to just like point the finger and be like, oh, like K-pop, like you're so whack. But man, like if you can upload a video 11 hours ago and have 51 people watching it, 51 million people watching it, you need to understand the power that you have. And it's not just about like the ad revenue you're taking in. Like I think they need to go a step further and like stand up and, you know, make a statement. Yeah, I think they just need to go through like the the top people and create like the people who own these labels or whatever need to just get that education before they make places that are like, oh, this is just swaggy. I saw it somewhere and I think it's fine. You know. Yeah. Then you're just like, I'm going to do cornrows. That looks cool. And people in North America like it. But you still, I think now, especially with the age of internet, have a duty to figure that out. People are going to call you out. You should try to listen, I guess, you know? Yeah. Damn right. JYP and YG, if you're listening, get that <laughs> shit in order. Well, we'll see if they're listening. But anyways, follow us at in underscore on Instagram. Yeah. I'm sorry. I keep talking about other people's podcasts you should listen to, but you should definitely just be listening to this one because it's like listening to five different episodes in one because I summarize it all for you anyways. We just have a lot to say. We obviously haven't connected in a while and there's obviously more topics we want to talk about. There's so many. We'll try our best to keep it concise and, you know, I hope we get, gave you a really good education on some K-pop stuff and whole BA fiasco is driving us crazy. Maybe RIP BA. I don't know. I, I am lacking some food cooking content in my life. So that's kind of sad, but I'm all right. Give us suggestions. If you have, you know, some people of color cooking out here, please. We would love it. Yeah. Just more for me, but thank you so much. (laughs) thanks guys i hope you guys felt educated of the history and the problematic and complicated relationship with k-pop and our love for ba that's on hold follow us at i made in bye bye thanks for listening to this episode of made in find us on instagram and twitter at i made in underscore we would love to hear from you and keep the conversation going stay safe until next time